Welcome to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories from Australia and around the world. The interviews and production of this show took place across stolen lands, including the lands of the Wurundjeri, Bunurong and Eastern Ma. And we're coming to you on the country you're standing on via the Community Radio Network. Wherever you're listening to this across Australia, this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. I'm Megan Williams. On the Sunday, the 7th of March, if you do something with wetsuits, like you go, you wear your wetsuit to the supermarket, make sure that people photograph you and then post it on your social media. This week, around Victoria, people are donning their wetsuits in unusual places to raise awareness about the impacts of an AGL gas import terminal in an action called Hashtag Wetsuits for Western Port. So today on Earth Matters, we'll be speaking to Mornington Peninsula local and president of Save Western Port, Candy Van Rood, about the campaign to stop AGL developing Western Port Bay. And we'll also hear from marine biologist and nature conservation campaigner for the Victorian National Parks Association, Shannon Hurley about exactly how this unique environment is being put at risk. We're going to start off with Candy Van Root describing where Western Port Bay is located. So Western Port Bay is a total misnomer. To begin with, it's not west really of anywhere except the east coast of Australia. It's it's west of there for sure. But it's not west of Melbourne. It's actually 75 kilometres southeast of Melbourne. It's part of the Mornington Peninsula, which is a a rural, semi-rural, exquisite enclave, you know, that many Victorians come to for their holidays. And it's got a beautiful, pristine coastland. Western Port itself is the bay. It's like the little sister bay next to Port Phillip Bay, which is the bay that Melbourne sits on, on top of. It's like like its little sister somehow. It's a tiny little, or it's not tiny, but it's a smaller bay. It's very, very, very different from Port Phillip. There is no way that Western Port is a port. It's a shallow tidal bay with a with um, you know with a recovering wetland with sea grasses, endangered migrating shorebirds, whales, dolphins, the fur seals, the little penguins, the pelicans, um, eastern far eastern curlews. Um, Many, many species unique in flora and fauna to this area. I asked Shannon Hurley from the Victorian National Parks Association to elaborate on the diversity of ecosystems in Western Port Bay. Yeah, so Western Port Bay is one of these really incredible and unique ecosystems. It's so special because it's an intertidal bay and what that means is that because there are so many different environmental influences in the bay, the movement of tides, as as one example, it creates a whole different types of ecosystems there and you can find um, shallow intertidal reef systems and, and mudflats um, that are really important ecologically for the feeding of migratory shorebirds. Um, and then you've got these um, amazing 
seagrass beds, mangrove um, areas, um, salt marsh, which are all really important um, for different species of fish, for example, and, and birds to, for shelter and for feeding. And then you've got some um, reef systems too, which um, some are really important even at the international scale because they're not really found um, many other parts that we've discovered so far in other parts of the world. And the whole Western Port Bay is known as what we call a Ramsar site, which what that means in layman's terms is it's recognised internationally for its importance um, on a global scale and, you know, it, its importance in um, the survival and, and, and home for different species of migratory birds um, and, of course, like lots of fish life there and, and um, cetaceans, our dolphins and whales and, and penguins, and there's just such a rich diversity of ecosystems which make it possible for a number of different species to live there. So Western Port Bay supports life and habitat with international significance. But a gas terminal has got many people concerned for the future of this bay. Shannon goes on to explain the details of this development. So AGL are proposing um, for the last couple of years, um, their plans are to create a big gas import facility for the heart of Western Port Bay. And so what that means is that a big 290-metre-long storage gas ship would be stored permanently at a place called Crib Point. And this um, big ship would actually um, to, I guess, to supply gas to different parts of Victoria would require um, uh, importing the gas from other areas, either overseas or even interstate um, on other large ships, um, LNG ships. And then so what essentially there is not only you've got this permanently moored massive storage ship, um, which is also about 14 storeys high. Um, And so, you know, this, a, a ship of this stature just to be permanently located in the bay, let alone the extra shipping, which could be an additional 40 ships per year that would be coming into the bay to feed this permanent ship um, to the gas. Um, And then that would be offloaded from one ship to the other. And then, you know, there's obviously got to be a a way to connect that gas into the energy, you know, the Australian sort of energy um, grid. And so there'd have to be almost a 60-kilometre-long pipeline that would run from Crib Point to Pakenham. And so there's a couple of different uh, aspects to this project. One is you've got the potential risk to the marine environment, but You've also got the the impacts to the land and this pipeline would run through high-value agriculture um, and some conservation habitats as well. So there's those two elements that many have been really concerned about is these impacts um, in in both of these areas there. Candy Van Rood, the president of Save Western Port, put it to me another way. So in this time, on this, at this time on planet Earth, to compromise and in any way threaten any kind of wetland with a fossil fuel infrastructure, a new fossil fuel infrastructure seems to me and seems to many of us to be like a double fail. Being a wetland and wetlands sequester 40% more carbon than even rainforests do. A double fail for the climate and the local environment. Candy also has theories on the motivations behind the project. 
So Australia is one of the largest LNG export. It is the largest LNG, you know, it's so-called liquid natural gas, which is, again, it's, it's uh, you know, to put the word natural in there. But anyway, it does come from the earth, but it sh- shouldn't ever be taken out of the earth, really. So they, they, as I said, Australia is the largest exporter of it. In the, you know, some decades ago, we, the, the government signed a, a deal with Japan and South Korea and Singapore, I believe, to export all our LNG. So, so then there's this perception that we don't have enough for domestic use, and that's because we, it, it's all been signed off to to export. But what's happened? On a global level, is that LNG people don't want it any uh, wanting it less and less because of the renewables because renewables are really you know on on a daily basis are becoming a more and more viable way for energy and 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 even Japan has a glut of LNG now that they've bought from Australia and so because Australians pay so much for gas. Uh, AGL have seen a little window where they can make a lot of money. So they're going to re-import probably gas that we've originally exported and then they sell it to the local market for more than it got exported for. So it's it's unbelievable. The, the Australian gas market is really, it's not a market, it's a cartel to begin with. The community concerns force the project through an environmental effects process. Candy explains the process further. Yeah, so the hearings were, as I said, we as an environmental group and, and Environment Victoria and uh, Victorian National Parks Association, the three of us went into a partnership um, uh, with Environmental Justice Association and so we had uh, many experts, we employed many experts to come in. It was a 10-week hearing process that went on. With the, and it had to all happen, this unprecedented, but because of uh, the pandemic, it had to all be online. It was all on Zoom for 10 weeks. And um, normally, you know, that, that also has hindered us a lot because we, we, we weren't able to gather the sort of community interaction and, and uh, um, acknowledgement and so on that we, you, you'd need in this sort of situation. So, but the minister was determined he wouldn't give us any extensions, he wouldn't make any allowances, and uh, that's the the planning minister, uh, Richard Wynne. And anyway, so the panel had about four, I think it was either, it was about four weeks, I think, to um, finally, you know, after the hearings were over, to go through all the reports and all the, you know, there there were apparently, there were 400 live witnesses that came and gave live reasons why that the AGL project shouldn't go ahead and that's unheard of 400 people and there were over 10,000 submissions and because of some kind of mess up um in a, a Victorian government department that was um administering those submissions they're only saying there was over, just over 6,000 but there were, we know that there were over ten thousand submissions, which is also very unusual for this sort of thing. And but during the hearings, there were four hundred live witnesses plus all the experts that came on board. And um, and uh, you know, AGL put out, as I said, they would have put, would have cost them millions to put together their environmental effects statement. They said it took them nearly two years to put together, and it was full of flaws. It was very incomplete. 
and superficial in different parts. They hadn't even consulted with the with the local uh, the First Nations people around here properly. You know, they'd done that in a very superficial, shoddy way too. They didn't get their approval, and so on. There's a lot of unfinished business in it. And anyway, then the panel went through it all and they're handing their report now. They've handed their report now on last Monday to Minister Wynne, who's got it. And so we've got quite a few campaigns going on at the moment to make him aware of how unpopular this would be if it went ahead. You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Western Park So far, we've heard from Shannon Hurley from the Victorian National Parks Association and Candy Van Rood from Save Westernport about the community pushback to an AGL gas terminal in Westernport Bay, less than an hour and a half's drive from the Melbourne CBD. Next up, Shannon is going to talk us through the specific concerns raised through the environmental effects hearing process. Yeah, so there were a lot of concerns that were highlighted throughout the public hearings at the end of last year. Um, And what was really uh, strong is the impacts on the marine environment. You know, this really um, precious and unique ecosystem that we don't, we don't, this kind of this ecosystem cannot be replicated. It's not like we've just got another one, you know, just over the way there. And so, um, really, uh, the community uh, were really concerned about the, the the whole swathe of impacts that this project could pose, including the impacts um, from underwater noise uh, on the impacts of, for example, um, fish and um, and whales and dolphins, and what impact that could have on um, just the way these animals communicate with each other and move around um, from the impacts of light, you know, you know, these sort of construction and these sort of operations have a lot more extra light, you know, that's required to for the ship to be there and what impacts that going to have on the bird life, which are actually migrating to and from different areas in the bay. Um, but one of the most outstanding impacts is the impacts from the discharge of chlorine, which is part of what the ship um, would be using in their normal processing, um, you know, as part of their turning and transporting the gas from one ship to the other and being able to, to transport that into the pipeline um, is is the this release of large amounts of chlorine every single day. And, um, you know, it would be easy to say, well, look at the impacts of chlorine in swimming pool, you know, that not much sort of stays alive in that. Um, but there's there's a secondary um, impact from the chlorine release too is that um, what we call chlorine byproducts. And so the danger of this is, is not only just the release of chlorine, but those um, chemicals that can actually be produced from the release of that chlorine. And what uh, has really been shown throughout these public hearings is that AGL has not even near adequately addressed what the impacts of those potentially toxic chemicals could be on the impact into the bay. And, you know, given that 
um, Western Port and particularly the area around where this ship would be located um, is there is a lot of really important seabed communities and seagrass meadows which are only you know within a few hundred metres of this ship and what's going to happen to those um, and also fish and plankton that are in the area how are these toxic chemicals going to impact those species and we know that Western Port is a highly interconnected ecosystem which means you know you impact or um, you see impacts on one tiny little area given the movements of the currents around the bay this could be felt across the entire ecosystem and a lot of these issues were not addressed and so I would say that out of all of the different impacts the the discharge of chlorine is one of the most concerning risks from this project going ahead. I asked Shannon how AGL has responded to the concerns raised through these public hearings and what's happening next. After it was brought to the foreground that there are great concerns for the impact that the release of chlorine and the associated byproducts could have on the wildlife, AGL did get a chance to actually go back and redo um, some of their studies. But what the whole EES has still shown is that there is still an incredible risk to the release of chlorine discharge into an internationally protected wetland. And uh, what came out at the public hearings was that the impact area for chlorine is actually much larger than what AGL had previously estimated. And so whilst there was some opportunities to, um, to, for AGL to, to come back and make a, um, I guess, come back with mitigation measures or how they would address different issues that were brought up at the hearings, largely um, this is going to uh, come out in the coming month when these recommendations and um, and all the, the risks associated with those um, have been compiled in a report by an independent panel. And this report um, has not been made public as yet and has been submitted to the Victorian government and specifically the Victorian planning minister, Richard Wynne. And now it's up to the Victorian planning minister to look at this report and make an assessment about if AGL's project is actually going to be suitable enough and have AGL done enough to assess the impacts on this unique um, and incredible environment. And so we will begin to see uh, how AGL has sort of, um, I guess, responded to a lot of these in, in the coming months as well. I also asked Shannon, from the perspective of the Victorian National Parks Association, Has AGL done enough to show that it can build a gas terminal in Western Port without having detrimental impacts on the local environment? No. In our view, AGL have not done enough to demonstrate that their project is going to protect our environment um, anywhere near enough and was really clear in the public hearings and and was a view of um, many of our experts that looked at the impacts on the marine environment is that the science that was done wasn't anywhere near to the standard it should have been, particularly when this is, you know, Victoria's, you know, most robust way of of investigating what potential impacts could that these projects could have. The science was just nowhere near up to scratch, and 
Um, there were so many uh, areas that weren't even looked at or impacts that weren't even looked at or addressed um, at all. And so it really doesn't give us any confidence that AGL are going to protect Western Port's unique environment. I also asked Shannon how broadly these concerns are being held across the community. Yeah, so the uh, Victorian National Parks Association worked um, really solidly with Environment Victoria and Save Western Port and um, Environmental Justice Australia to really um, highlight the potential impacts from this project on areas such as marine biodiversity, on social impacts, um, on safety. And, you know, we worked really um, solidly on on the public hearings themselves. Um, But really there was so many, anyone who watched or tuned into the public hearings, it was so apparent that it was so much broader than than just the organisations I've listed just now. There, um, it's made up of, so many different local community groups too who I can't, it kind of even is impossible to mention all of them, Um, but there was representatives from the tourism industry, from fishing, um, you know, traditional owners, um, councils, um, individuals, um, you know, local um, conservation groups from, you know, far and wide in the community and representative so many different voices in the community, which is really heartening to see. And I think um, a really clear demonstration of the opposition to this project was from that these sort of, um, these government processes, you know, when, when I say government processes, I'm talking about this particular um, environmental effects um, process of, of how this project is stacked up against its impacts on the environment. Um, out of all of the government projects sort of run, this particular project, AGL's proposal for Western Port Bay, has shown such strength in, in numbers because it's probably, I think it's actually one of the highest numbers of community opposition that's been shown through submissions. And there's been um, well over 6,000 submissions which were received into this process, which really clearly demonstrates the community opposition to this. And this weekend, people are getting out there with their weddies on to show support through the Wetsuits for Western Port action. And if you'd like to support this campaign, Candy Van Root, the president for Save Western Port, can tell you where to go. On the Sunday, the 7th of March, if you do something with wetsuits, like you go, you wear your wetsuit to the supermarket, make sure that people photograph you and then post it on your social media with the hashtag wetsuits for Western Port. We're going to just flood social media with that hashtag and that event. And so videos, photos with the hashtag wetsuits for Western Port. And if you don't have a wetsuit, even a pair of flippers or a snorkel or anything like that, uh, anything that has to do with diving or or the ocean like that with that hashtag will will uh, get through to this and in the meantime go to environment victoria's website or savewesternport.org we have the paddle in event there on our events page and that we update that regularly with things they can do and before we close the show i asked candy if there was one thing to take away from this whole campaign, what would it be? Uh, um, but we have to draw the line about we have to stop uh, ruining our natural resources, otherwise there will not be 
a life to be able to be able to be had on planet Earth for the next generations. We, this is so important, not just Western Port, but all the old growth forests. So there's so much going on everywhere in the world. But this is just one of many, I'm sure. But my main feeling about it is we have to now stop doing that. We have to draw the line and we have to stop. Otherwise, this is really, I don't know whether there is much of a future for us. You've been listening to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories on the National Community Radio Network. Today's guests were Candy Van Root from Save Westernport and Shannon Hurley from the Victorian National Parks Association. And my name is Megan Williams. If you missed any of today's show, you can listen back at 3cr.org.au slash earthmatters and find our podcast on your favourite podcasting service. You can email us at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. And if you like this show, leave us a review and share it with your friends. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for getting the program out to you. Earth Matters was once produced in the studios of 3CR on Wurundjeri Country, but today's episode has been produced remotely across stolen lands. And the song we've used is A Song for Westernport Wetlands, performed by Magella Frick of French Island back in 2014. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you next time for more Earth Matters. Western Park Wetlands You're gonna die, gonna show From the dirty great ships Bringing things we don't need to the port The balance is lost When the great greedy monster of growth Starts to roar What matters the most I don't think we know anymore Western Park wetlands And the fragile coast Consumed by consumerism And the politicians' votes The seagrass bed's gone And the dolphins will yell And swear for something to eat the whales have all known And the penguins won't march anymore to the beach Where will the birds fly When they travel for thousands of miles To a place that has died A place where we promised protection You know we lie
restless You're gonna die, gonna choke From the foreign invaders The noise and the dust and the smoke The ballast, the oil The chemical spills in the churning great waves